Praise the Lord. I know you've been blessed already. I won't keep you long, but look, if you would, at 2 Kings chapter 19. 2 Kings chapter 19. We've gone through 1 Kings, and we've gone through 2 Kings, and uh, this Sunday, and then two more Sundays, we'll finish up in 2 Kings, and then the next Sunday will be Resurrection Sunday. We're looking for a miracle on that day, and I'm excited about it. Hope you are also. 2 Kings chapter 19. And uh, we'll look beginning in verse 14. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the cherubim, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which have sent thee uh, him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of this hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. Father, thank you this morning how blessed we've been. And I pray this morning that your spirit would continue to speak to each one of us in this place. We're not here by accident. You've called us to be here. And Lord, we're expecting you to do some great things in this place today. Lord, would you bless your word, and uh, Lord, may it speak to us that we would not be hearers only, but doers also. And Lord, in the midst of all of it, we realize that it's all you and none of us. So God, we're asking you, we're begging you, we're pleading with you. Don't, don't leave us alone today. Oh, Father, if you make us uncomfortable, bring us to the place where we can get comfortable. And Lord, most of all, draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The kingdoms, I just remind you, have been divided. There's a northern kingdom that uh, takes 12 tribes, and they're called Israel. And then there's a southern kingdom, Judah, uh, with two tribes. The Bible tells us that uh, the northern kingdom, what a shame, but no king ever was over the northern kingdom that did what was right in the eyes of God. Uh, no king, no good king, period. The southern uh, kingdom had some good kings and it had some bad kings. And, uh, but, but the northern kingdom had none. Now I want you to understand something and, and just make it plain to you this morning. It's not enough just to do right. I hear people saying all the time, you got, you got to do right, you got to do right, you got to do right. It's not enough to do right. You can do right and still not be doing right in the eyes of the Lord. You not only have to do right, you've got to do right in the eyes of God. In other words, uh, man has a way, but the end thereof is deception. And you can say, I'm doing right all you want to, but if you're not doing right in the eyes of God, you're not doing right. That's what he's saying here. And so Hezekiah uh, has a guy by the name of Salmaneser, uh earlier on is allowed to besiege Israel. And when God allows a wicked man to punish a righteous man. It's not that God agrees with the wickedness. It's that God 
wants to show the righteous man he needs to come back to the righteous living. Churches get this all mixed up. You know, I hear this, well, we need to church them. We need to throw them out of the church. Like, you know, they're gone. They're no good. They're useless. There was never a reason to discipline anybody in the kingdom to throw them out of the church, not to get rid of them. The reason you discipline church members is so that they will come back and repent and come back to the lifestyle. It's called reconciliation is what it's called. Amen? That's what Jesus came to do, to reconcile the world with a holy God. So uh, God allows this wicked man to punish a righteous man. The northern kingdom had disobeyed God. They were full of immorality. They defied God. They dishonored God. They were worshiping idols. And, and he raises up the Syrian king, Shalmaneser, to besiege Israel. Now, Hezekiah is over the southern kingdom. Hosea is over the northern kingdom. And Syria comes in, seizes the northern kingdom. The Bible says, though, in, in the first part of chapter 19, that, or 18, when Hezekiah became king, <clears throat> he did opposite to what his father did. Now you say, well, what difference does that make? Well, that's good news for you. Some of you have been blaming your daddies and mamas for living the way you are all your life. Let me tell you, you can do opposite from what, if you had a fat, bad family, listen, you can turn that thing around. God is still in the turning around business. Hezekiah's father was an evil king, but the Bible says Hezekiah, 25 years old, he came and he said, I'm going to tear down the groves. I'm going to tear down all the false idols. I'm going to get rid of all of the junk, and we're going to worship the one true God. And then comes Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. He had defeated the northern kingdom, and so he thinks, well, I'll just go ahead and whoop the southern kingdom too and have all of it. And so he, he, he sends a message, uh, uh, letters, uh, to uh, Hezekiah. And uh, now remember, Hezekiah has wiped out the, the idols. He's torn down the groves. He's uh, worshiping one true God. And so there's revival in the land. I mean, things are hopping. Things are looking good. Hey, the country is turning around, and, and God had done great things. But when he gets the letter... He doesn't stop and consider what God has done. He gets scared immediately. And he, he tries to give them money and all this stuff. None of that ever works. And so he gets these letters, and he says this uh, in chapter 18. They were talking tough there. Uh, they were saying in those letters, your, your God's not going to be able to do anything. Your, your God's not going to be able to help you. You know, it's almost a thing like, uh, like the Ukraine today. I mean, if the Ukraine would have just bowed under and said, all right, y'all can have everything, you know, just come on in. There, there may not have ever been a bullet fired. But they didn't. They didn't. And literally, he's threatening the man of God and the work of God and the kingdom of God. Now look at it quickly with me. In verse 14, there is a threat from the enemy. He's got a letter. It's a real threat. And folks, I want to tell you, if you don't believe that we're living in a real threat today, you got your head in the sand. You don't have to be 75 years old to remember what used to be in America. Some of you 10 years ago can remember how far we've come. And it's a real threat. The devil today wants to dominate our country. He wants to dominate this church. 
Hey, you can go to Russia, you can go to China and go to churches all day long. They've got them all over the place. They're just government-run churches. And I want to tell you, even what I say here this morning, there'll come a day when I'm going to be in jail, and somebody better be down there to help me out. I'll tell you that right now. I know you'll jump up and say, I will be with you. Don't lie to me this morning here in the house of God. Somebody better be down there to help me out and get me out. I don't think it's going to work. I think they'll just throw you in jail too. The devil today wants to dominate our homes. He wants to dominate our children. He wants to dominate our young people. And not only dominate them, but literally destroy them. It's a real threat. He's saying, you're weak. Surrender. Give up. There's more of us. Our, our forces are stronger. So give up. It's a real threat. But not only is it a real threat, it's a repeated threat. He repeats it over and over again. You see, uh, the, the God's heritage is the next generation. You, do you think the devil is going to come to a place? I mean, would you agree with me that America's in pretty rough shape right now? I mean, pretty rough shape. Do you think America will ever come to the place where the devil says, you know what, they're so bad right now, I think I'll just give up. I think I'll just let it slide. No, he's not going to give up. I, I'm not talking about me. I'm near 70 years old. I, I got more days uh, behind me than I got ahead of me. I know that. But I've got children, and I've got young people, and I've got grandchildren, and I've got your children, and your grandchildren, and maybe future our great-grandchildren. I don't know how long uh, you say, well, preacher, you ought not to worry about that. The Lord's coming. I've heard that 2,000 years. Well, I hadn't heard it 2,000 years, but <laughs> it's been being preached 2,000 years. I've heard it for over 68 years, and I hope he does come. I'm looking for him any moment. He could come before we leave today. I know that. But what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? Couldn't there be one church? I mean, one church where folks said, look, we're not backing down. We're going to study the Word of God. We're going to believe the Word of God. We're going to trust the Word of God. We're not giving in to the threat. We're going to stand firm. Mm. It was a real threat. It was a repeated threat. Now listen to me. It was a religious threat. On the outside, you would think that the war was between Hezekiah and the king of Assyria. But that was just the surface. In America today, you would think that the war is between the donkeys and the elephants. But that's just the surface. I want to tell you, the devil's the one that's coming after America. He don't care whether you're a donkey or an elephant or anything else you want to be. He's the one that's coming after America today. Uh, We're headed, setting up, for one world government. It's falling into peace in place so much. And you know, we want to, uh, we elephants want to blame the donkeys. But I want to tell you, I think it goes all the way back to some elephants that kept wanting this global economy. We've got to have everybody. And so now 90% of our medicine comes from China. Mm. I mean, we just, mm, good grief. Y'all get me all wired up here now? We're we're under a religious attack. I I don't like racism. I want to tell you the truth is, 
the blood of Jesus ought to made all of us colorblind a long time ago. I, I, I despise racism. I don't have any problem, though, with the organized protest. This church right here did one about 12 years ago. Some of you remember that. We went down to City Hall and took over. <laughs> they remember it, I'll tell you that. I don't have any problem against organized protest, but I got a problem against rioting. I got a problem against hatred. I got a problem against bitterness. And it's almost like when a group will come together to say, we're going to help America and be a blessing to America, some redneck knotheads get in there and get control of it, and then we look like idiots. I want to tell you, our God's big enough to handle this thing. It's a threat, a real threat. It's a religious threat. Now, let me give you the second thing. i got to hurry here. And I want to tell you... <clears throat> If you ever, some of you have been looking for a reason to shout. I, I can feel it. Some of you think, you know, we're getting closer and closer, preacher. I have people all the time say, Whew, I almost shouted today. Whew. It was close. If you're looking for a reason to shout, you're going to get one this morning. <laughs> huh? I'm just telling you, you're not going to be able to leave here without shouting. So if you, if you can't shout, you can't handle it. But the best thing you can do is bow your head, act like you're praying right now. <laughs> There's an effort that comes in here with an eternal God. In verse 15, Hezekiah prayed before the Lord. And he said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwelleth between the two cherubim, thou art the God, even thou alone. Of all the kingdom of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. He goes in. Now, he don't do like we do. What do we do when we get a problem? I'll tell you what, no, no, let me accuse you. Let me just say me. When I get a problem, I try to work it out. I sit down at my desk and I plan this and I analyze this. If this happens, then that's going to happen. If that happens, then this is going to happen. And we sit there and it bombs. And then I go home and I say, honey, we've got a problem. And it bombs. And when all is bombed and when everything's gone, then I'll say, God, have mercy. We, we've got a problem. Lord, you, you're going to have to come in here and do something. But in this instance, he don't go analyzing. He don't go for abilities. He don't go for talents. He said, I'm going to the house of God. And he spreads the letters out. I mean, there may, I don't know, eight pages, six pages, whatever. He's spreading all the letters out. And it's like he's saying, God, <clears throat> listen to what this crazy man's saying about you. He's saying, you can't do anything, God. He's saying, you're weak, that there's more of the forces down here than, than what we've got. Whoo, I know a God who sits high and looks low. There comes a time in my life and there comes a time in your life, if you'll be honest about it, that you can't bear your own problems. You can't bear your own burdens. You can't solve your own issues. If you could solve them, you would have already solved them. You can't do it. You can't fix your situation or troubleshoot your problem. But I know a God who cares for me. I know a God who's on my side. He's in my corner. 
Hezekiah said, I'm bringing this letter to the Lord. Before I do anything else, I'm going to spread it out before the Lord. I'll lift up mine eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. I'm going to the house of the Lord before I do anything else. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, quote, If you can't go to the house of the Lord, go to the Lord of the house. But get a hold of the Lord first. Whatever you do. I think sometimes we're wanting to give the devil too much credit. We, we, we think we've already been beaten. We're already defeated. He said, uh, they've set up all these little gods. He said, you have all them little gods you want to. I'm going to the God. I'm going to the main God, to the sovereign God, to the wonderful God. I, I'm going to let God get a hold of this thing. I'm going to let him see it. He's big enough to take care of anything that happens. Now, here's where you get to shout. Verse 15. He's standing on the outer court of the temple. He said, I'm going to the house of God. That's the temple. Now, he's a king. He's not a priest. So he can't go into the inside holy of holies. Only the high priest could do that once a year. So he's standing on the outside. Mm. He's standing on the outside of the holy of holies. Inside that holy of holies is a lampstand, the shoe bread thing, and then the ark of the covenant. And on that ark of the covenant, there's two cherubims there on that ark. And in the middle of that ark is what we call the mercy seat. And the high priest, once a year, would sacrifice the animals, and he would go in, and he would put the blood on the mercy seat, and the Shekinah glory of God would come down. Yeah. Yeah. Woo, what an awesome, good grief. What an awesome thing. He's standing right there, right looking. He can't see it, but he's there. He's within just a few feet. He's on the outer court. He's, he knows what's happening. Uh, in my day, we say, that's groovy, man. <laughs> Maybe it's awesome, cool, sweet up there. Any of those words, it's good. Amen? Half of you should have been shouting right there. But I understand you're, you're tight, you're uptight. So I want to remind you of something this morning. He's standing on the outside, facing in. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, that veil was rent from the top all the way down to the bottom. Listen to me this morning. You're not on the outside looking in. You're on the inside looking out. Woo! Glory to God. Have mercy. I've got three or four of you shout. I'm telling you, it's going to happen before it's over with. I'm not hanging my hope on the intellect or the talents or the abilities. Our hope is on the presence of God. And when God is there, who can be against me? I mean, is there anybody here today that's saved, washed in the blood, sealed by the Holy Ghost, name written down, heaven bound, hammered down? Wow. God answered the prayer on the outside of the temple. I wonder how much power we could get on the inside if we just prayed. 
We've got access to the Holy of Holies. There's a lot of tough talk going around today. Homosexual culture is tough talking us. Abortion culture, tough talking us. Redefining the definition of a, mar of a marriage, a lot of tough talking going on. Teenage impurity, tough talking. Violation of what the Bible says, a lot of tough talking. This is God's word. It's been settled years ago. And it ain't going to change. And what's sad today is that many Christians are hiding in a corner somewhere. Or they've gone down in a cave. They've shaken in their boots. They're scared silly. And you want to know something? I'd be the same way. If I had to face the devil by myself, I'd be scared to death. I'd be hiding in a corner. I'd be in a cave somewhere. I'd be too afraid to speak. I'd be shaking in my boots. But I want you to know something. If God be for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. My God shall supply all my needs. What time I'm afraid I'll trust in thee. I'll wait on the Lord and renew my strength. I'm more than a conqueror. The battle is not mine. It belongs to the Lord. Hey, we're not in this thing by ourselves. One of the most misquoted scriptures in the entire Bible. I hear it all the time. Preacher, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm resisting the devil. He's just whipping me. I just can't. No, you, don't, you ain't doing what God said do. That verse in James says, submit yourself to God. You don't go before the devil. Now, you can if you want to. You can stand up here and say, I demand that the devil. He's had six or 7,000 years ahead of you. He knows every trick in the book. What you better do is submit yourself to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I can't do anything about this. You're going to have to come in and take over. He doesn't whip the devil, and he'll whip him again. Somebody came to church this morning. You're under attack. You may be battling a disease. Let me tell you, Miss Laquita, I got scared last week. I heard she had two weeks. She ain't got two weeks. My goodness, I think she's healed. She ain't going nowhere. I think she's coming back. She's probably going to preach my funeral. Some of you came in this morning under a trial, and you're battling an attack on your kids or on your marriage or you're battling an attack on, at home or on your faith at the job or, or on your morals. I'm not telling you to put on the boxing gloves and tell the devil we're going to fight it out. I'm not telling you to go back and check how many degrees you got in your education. I'm telling you, you need to fall on your face before God and spread it out so the Lord can see it. And say, God, I've done all I can do. You got to do the rest. You got to do the rest. Now, let me close with this. There's a blessing. Ooh, have mercy. Do you know what he did? Hezekiah, when he finished, <laughs> he spread everything out, laid it out on, uh, on the altar of the Lord. And you know what he did? He went home and went to sleep. That's what the Bible says. He just went on and had a good night's sleep. Mm. Some of y'all ain't slept in months. I mean, you're so worried about little old things, and you, you're so, uh, 
you're so anxious over these things and, and, and no rest and no sleep. You've not experienced that inner peace that only God can give there. But Hezekiah says, you know what? I think God's got this, so I'm just going to go on and go to sleep. Say, preacher, how do you know that? Well, look at verse 35. It came to pass that night that the angel of the Lord, now the angel of the Lord, <laughs> that's what we called uh, Christophany. The angel of the Lord was none other than Jesus Christ. You won't find the words angel of the Lord anywhere in the New Testament because he's not the angel of the Lord. He's the Messiah in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, he's the angel of the Lord. So sometime while he's asleep, the angel of the Lord went out, smote in the camp of the Assyrians, a hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. If I got that added up right, it's 185,000. And when they rose early in the morning, when they got up, they done slept all night. Behold, they were all dead corpses. My soul, 185,000 dead. Wouldn't move. <laughs> mm. Could I just tell you this morning, Let's just be real. If you will trust God, he's got things under control. It may not be like we want it to be. And sometimes that's because we haven't lived in the eyes of God like we should have lived. But I want to tell you, it's not surprising God. I love one of my favorite preachers. Don't listen to him because you'll know where I get all my sermon material. But uh, one of my favorite preachers is old Maze Jackson. Mays was an old truck driver preacher and, uh, and uh, did a lot of tent revivals and all. Love him to death. And he, uh, he said he was preaching a tent revival and this lady kept standing around and he knew she wanted something. And so she came up to him crying and weeping. She said, Brother Mays, would you please pray for my son? He's not saved. He's living a wicked life. Would you just, and he could tell that she was sincere. She was sincere. It wasn't, she was a godly woman. She, he said, it's not one of those, oh, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble here, but, you know, sometimes we ought to be ashamed of ourselves if the only time we come to God is when we need something. He said, I could tell she wasn't just a Sunday morning person, you know, just coming to God every once in a while. She knew God. She said, would you pray for my son? He said, I went back to the motel that night. He said, I didn't kneel. I didn't raise my hands. I didn't lay on the bed. He said, I lay flat on the ground, on the floor. And I pleaded with God and begged God to save this boy. He said, I left, went on. About three months later, he said he noticed that lady. She came up after the service and said, Brother Mays, this is my son. You prayed for him. He got saved. God called him to preach. Standing there with the Bible under his hand, under his arm there, and you know, God called him to preach. Mays wrote a sermon. Somebody touched heaven for me. Wonderful sermon. I can't preach it because he does a whole lot better than me. But we used to say down in East Texas, I got a hankering. I, Daddy would say sometimes, I got a, at night, I got a hankering for some ribbon cane syrup. And we'd have pancakes with sausages and ribbon cane. I got a hankering. I just got a hankering this morning that in the middle of all this pandemic that we've gone through 
and you do know now that the, the, the COVID-19 is officially over, you now have flu A. <laughs> I'll just tell you what the statistics are. I, you know, Abraham touched heaven for his nephew Lot. Moses touched heaven for Israel. Joshua touched heaven, and as he was touching heaven, the Lord himself showed up, the captain of the host, and Joshua said, whose side are you on? He said, I'm not on anybody's side. I came to take over. Paul and Silas touched heaven for the early church, and Jesus Christ touched heaven for us. Our sins have been washed away. They've been taken away. And I've got a hankering. In the midst of all of the mess that's going on, pandemic, the wonderful joy to be able to stand at the gas pump and sing, God bless America, while you're pumping $100 worth of gas in your truck. <laughs> Amen. Amidst all of the war and the starving children and moms and fathers being killed and injured, on a country that seems like we've lost our way. And that's not the worst thing. Today, more than 50% of the preachers, only 47% believe this is the inerrant Word of God. I'm not talking about people in, I'm talking about the people behind the pulpits. More than 50% of our men of course, now there's ladies too. I'm, you know, we won't go there. Don't believe this is the Word of God. In a country where kids are being taught immorality at a young, young age, somebody in this place needs to touch heaven. Somebody needs to touch heaven. Somebody's got a mess in your life and you've tried every way in the world to work it out and it won't work out and somebody needs to touch heaven. Spread it out before the Lord. We used to sing an old song. You've longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed. But you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Jesus, your mama can't help you, your daddy can't help you. <laughs> we, we were on a cruise this week. Becky is, does not get happy sometimes because... Uh, we're in this big group here, 10 or 12 people, and, and sooner or later it comes up. And, and we managed the whole week not to say a word about it at supper, didn't we? Not a word. But we got in the hot tub with about 12 others. What do you do for a living? When you say that P word, it's like, look out, Bubba. And immediately, this young lady sitting across from us, she said, my daddy was a preacher for a missionary Baptist. 
And I thought to myself, I bet he's proud of you now. I ain't saying anything else. But your daddy can't help you. It doesn't matter what your mama was, if they were godly people or if they were the most ungodly people in the world. If you're lost this morning, there's only one person who can help you, and that is Jesus Christ. That's it. If you've backed up against the wall and you've got trouble and you've done tried every way you can to figure it out (laughs) and you can't figure it out, you're not going to figure it out. There's only one person who can help you. That is Jesus. That's it. And if you want to bypass him, my suggestion would be to enjoy everything you can in this life. Because where you're going, you're not going to enjoy it. My other suggestion for you to be would be just come to Jesus. Father, we praise you today. Thank you. Thank you for Hezekiah. Lord, he wasn't a perfect man. We see that later on in his life. But, oh, God, in this instance, he did what was right in the eyes of God. And, Lord, you blessed. And I pray today for those that need a touch from you, those that may be hurting, that may be in a disease, that may just have relationship problems or may have problems at work or financial problems, whatever the problems are, Lord, would you just remind us that you are on your throne and you're in charge of everything in this world. Would you have your way? I pray that people would not be ashamed of you, but that these altars would be full of people wanting to reach out and say, oh God, I can't do it. I'm laying it out here for you. I'm going to do what I can. And I'm going to ask you to do the rest in Jesus' name. Would you stand?